When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodgers fans? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Fansided. This is Kevin Klein in the house. Also joined with joined by David Rosenthal. Jake Reiner is in New York. And unlike Tim Neverett last week, he will not be live from New York. But we got someone just as awesome to fill in today. You know him very well. I'm talking about Blake Harris. You can follow him on Twitter at Blake Harris TBLA. And make sure to subscribe to his Substack, which is blakeharris.substack.com called Thinking Blue. Blake Harris, so thank you so much for joining the show. You gotta stop talking here. How's it going, man? I'm gonna add that to my uh, Twitter bio. Almost as awesome as Jake Reiner. <laughs> or as I awesome. Said, I think you said as awesome. As, yeah. Oh, he said as awesome. Okay, yeah. I, I thought almost as awesome, but as awesome is even better. So that's yeah. definitely gonna be going in the bio fo- following the show. I'm glad I made an impact on your life, Blake. There you go. All right, so your Los Angeles Dodgers are 65-32, and 32, 99 games into the season now. That Manny Ramirez number, they are 11 and a half up on the San Diego Padres. And despite losing the series to the Washington Nationals, as Dodger fans, you can't really complain. They swept the San Francisco Giants in a four-game series for the first time since 1995, right before the Nationals, and they pounded – the Nationals, at least today, 7-1 to victory. Dodgers faced Patrick Corbin, who couldn't even get out of the first inning. He was already pretty terrible. He's now 4-14 with a 6-49 ERA. He gave up six runs, all with two outs in the first inning to the Dodgers. And I feel like Mike Rizzo kind of went back on his word because at first the reports were, you had to take once, you had to take Patrick Corbin if you wanted to acquire Juan Soto. Now today, apparently, you don't have to take Patrick Corbin, and no surprise because he's pretty awful. Andrew Heaney was activated off the IL. He went four innings today, gave up just one hit, no runs, has an 047 ERA on the year, an 088 whip. He continues to shove when healthy. And Gavin Lux, a big day for him, three base hits. So wanted to talk about this national series real quick. Uh, Had some thoughts on a different game, but we can start with the positives and then go into the negatives if there are any. Uh, yeah, so the positives for me were the pitching pretty much. I mean, Mitch White pitched well. 
uh, six innings. I think it was two runs yesterday. Uh, the first game, the starters and, and honestly, the bullpen weren't that bad either. And then uh, Andrew Heaney looked pretty good uh, today. Obviously, only four innings, but looked good. And I think what's going to be more important is that he's feeling good tomorrow so he can continue to make his regularly scheduled starts, which has been the issue with him for this year. Uh, that's pretty much what I got for the positives. I mean, the Nationals are pretty bad. Uh, so losing two out of three was not ideal, but at the same time, the Padres and the Giants are also terrible right now. So there's no harm, no foul. I think it was like one for, I want to say 16 or something with runners in scoring position over the first two games. So that's why they lost, uh, which is, they've been doing that extremely well all season. So I guess they were due for a couple games where they weren't going to cash runners in. Uh, but the two strike hitting, especially from Gavin Lux has, has been really, really encouraging. Yeah, it's a good thing the Dodgers have now like an 11 and a half game lead. I mean, if this was like a one or two game lead in the division, I think Twitter will be burning down after losing the series to the Nationals. So some frustrating losses, but that's the thing with baseball. This is also literally example A of why I want to avoid a three game series in the playoffs come anything, because literally you can lose two out of three to the best or the worst team in baseball. So Hopefully the Dodgers avoid that. But yeah, I mean, David hit it pretty much like Mitch White shoved as usual yesterday, like literally best number seven, number eight starter. Probably he could Ever. be a number a number four starter on any team pretty much in baseball and be excellent. And then today, the Heen Dog, again, praying tonight that the dude does not wake up tomorrow just in pain and sore. If he doesn't, then that's a major plus. I thought he looked good. I mean, granted, he's looked good all season, so glad he was able to go four innings and glad the Dodgers at least were able to have a sizable enough lead today where he didn't really have to worry about, you know, using too many arms. David Price, Jake Reed, they were kind of just thrown into the fire and just make as many pitches as you can, get as many outs as you can. So that went well. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want to lose a series to the worst team in baseball, but then again, with how good they've been playing, I mean, if you would have said, you know, after July 27th, they'd have what four losses for the entire month. Um, I think we'd all take that. So, you know, like I said, 11 game lead, not too big of a deal. Embarrassing, especially considering my uh, closest friend from college is a nationals fan. So I heard it from him, but you know, it is what it is. Padres lost to the uh, Tigers giants lost to the D backs. Things are going worse for them. Could be worse, but you know, at least you end the series with the win going to uh, the awful place that is Coors field. Yep, they have the luxury to essentially punt games, which is what they did in the second game of the series where they opted to go to Garrett Clevenger, who made his old man walks in the door and walks right out appearance for the Dodgers, getting sent back down to AAA the next day. He uh, was pretty good in that first inning for his appearance in the eighth. Gavin Lux did commit an error, and that seemed to maybe rattle him a little bit, gave up that two-run home run, and then just completely falls apart going out in his second inning in the ninth. Uh, you knew Roberts was just kind of throwing that game at that point because he used the excuse that he didn't want to go to other arms such as Phillips, Vessia, um, which is part of the Dodgers' issues right now. The bullpen is very thin, so that's why we're going to get into the trade deadline in the second half of the show to address areas of maybe holes that they need to fill. But, yeah, I mean, based off the Dodgers' position, throwing that game, no big deal. We got to at least see what Clevenger has, not much. His dad was not very happy with me on Twitter. He was all over my mentions. Neither and then, was Oral. And then Oral Hurst. Yeah. Her, I oral. saw the Oral one, but his dad is new to me, so I'm going to have to go look that up this second. Oral Hershizer at approximately 1.30 a.m. Not really 
clear what side he was on, but just responded with a flat out lol. He was not on your side. I, that is clear. <laughs> but regardless, the best of us. But regardless, I, I think maybe Oral had a little too much to drink because I noticed he was responding <laughs> lols to a lot of people for a variety of different reasons. But it is what it is, you know. I like to see Dave Roberts give guys opportunities and then we flat out know, okay, that guy is not a high leverage arm, which is clearly Garrett Clevenger. And that might be the last time we talk about him on this show for quite some time. Which is unfortunate, you know, because I, I, he looked good for the first three batters, three batters that inning. He looked legitimately good. And I was like preparing a tweet. I'm like, Oh, this dude's looking great. And like before, I can even like start typing. It's like, oh, you just hung the shit out of a curveball, and now the the lead is gone. So, it's unfortunate for him. You know, I think he's could have a role at some point. Probably not this season at this point, but uh, I I still think he's you know a solid pitcher if he can if he can get the control down. Agree. I mean, his strikeout per nine is like granted a small sample size, but I think it's like fifteen or sixteen per nine. Yeah. It's just there's it's something the- there. And like the weird thing is before we move off Clevenger, I remember I was talking about him like a month ago. I was just like, yeah, this dude is awful. And then I looked at his numbers and his career ERA is like 3.1. It's something very low. But then when you look at his career FIP and his career whip, they're like uh, absurdly awful. So it makes more sense. But hey, for those that are into ERAs, not as bad as you think. <laughs> so the Dodgers swept the Giants as I just mentioned which was great considering i was a little nervous going into that series they had been swept as we don't want to remember by san francisco up in the bay area but there were some great moments in this series i mean game one mookie bets with the three three run home run to give the dodgers back the lead after the dodgers uh blew what was it like six to one or something phil bickford and david price or sorry yeah Phil Bickford gave up three runs. Alex Vesey gave up a grand slam to Ruff. Dodgers rallied back, took the lead. Game two of that series, an iconic moment for Cody Bellinger, probably his standout moment so far this season, hitting that grand slam off Sammy Long. And then the, the next two days, the Dodgers starters held down the fort. Kershaw a little rocky, but he was actually able to get some run support by his guys. And this was pretty much smooth sailing for the Dodgers, other than the Vesey grand slam really had no issues taking down the Giants. They ended up outscoring them 25 to 11 in the entire series. This is what I expected from the Giants this, this season. They aren't good. What, what happened last year is, is over. And uh, you can tell that some people are still kind of traumatized from it. They're still expecting the Giants to be like, well, don't count out the Giants yet. Count them out. They're done. It's over. Last year was the fluke of all flukes. They aren't a good team. They aren't a good roster. They play no defense. They don't pitch well. They don't hit well. They don't do a lot of things right, period. Last year, they played excellent defense. They hit a ton of home runs, and they pitched well. They're doing none of that this year. They also have injuries. It's over. It is over for the San Francisco Giants to the point where I think they should sell at the deadline. I I agree with you. I think they should sell. And watching, like – we all knew that they were not going to replicate anything close to what they did last year, but watching what they're doing this year, especially the last few weeks, it's making you just realize even more how last year made absolutely no sense. What was going on? Like we all knew that that, that team was just exceeding expectations like no other, but we're just, you know, being proven right this year, watching them play. I will say the first few games, like it was a little more difficult than I was expecting. Like those are some pretty close games, but yeah, the giants, they were playing just awful all around. And yeah, I also agree. I think they, if they were smart, they'd be sellers. 
But as we saw, what was it years ago when they opted to hold on to Madison Bumgarner when they could have traded him and gotten some value? If they were smart, like Rodon is not going to re-sign there. He's going to opt out. If they were smart, they would trade him and get something back. But I don't think they will just because, again, of this extra you know, wild card. I think they're only like three back or maybe even less than that. So they're going to hold on. They're not going to sell. But if they were smart, they would. But that actually benefits the Dodgers that they're not going to be recouping some young prospects. So I'll take it. Let them go for it and end up finishing eight games out and not sell. So fine with me. Also, the the qualifying offer is back because they couldn't reach an agreement. So I think Rodon is qualifying offer eligible because I don't think the White Sox ended up giving it to him. So that does kind of give some incentive possibly for San Francisco to keep some of those higher salary salary floor guys. Right. And and Lamont Wade being exposed for such a fraud, batting 182 this season. The magic is off. Although I, I guess on the flip side, it's not been a good go around for Max Muncy, who's really struggling too, batting 158 with a 612 OPS. But we can talk about him maybe a little bit more in detail later in the show. Wanted to get into the trade deadline stuff right now. This is the big one, probably our last episode until the deadline passes, where we'll, we will record that evening, I hope. But so first, just to get the the ball rolling, do you think the Dodgers need to pursue a bat more or a pitcher more? Go ahead, Blake. Oh, I I think that relief pitching is clearly the route they need to take. I know Freeman has gone on record saying I don't like trading for high leverage relievers because of the cost. Now I, in a way, I can get that. I also think that you had two just one in a million outcomes with O'Neill Cruz and Jordan Alvarez. And I know he won't admit it, but I think that's the reason why he's worried of trading for relievers because those were two relievers that did fairly well with the Dodgers. No one's going to remember it because of what the prospects turned into. But I think if you're the Dodgers, you clearly need some help. Now I know that they're going to be getting a lot of guys back, like trying to Hopefully at this rate, no one even knows, but you can bank on potentially guys being healthy and whatnot. So I think they should go after a few high leverage arms. Um, I think Kevin's going to mention a few that I know he's in love with that. I also share the same thoughts on. I think that should be the number one focus because I do think the starting rotation is fine. Like I don't think they need Luis Castillo. I think the amount of guys they have coming back, assuming tomorrow again, Heaney wakes up just fine. I do think the rotation is going to be okay, especially come October when it shrinks down to a four-man rotation. I think they're going to be okay there. So obviously I'm sure Juan Soto will be brought up, but if I was calling the shots, I'm hoping getting one or two high-leverage relievers, or not necessarily high-leverage, but just some arms where you're not relying on David Price or Garrett Clevinger or you know Reyes Maranta come October. Because if that's the case, you're, you're in a bad spot. And I, I, I get not wanting to part with top prospects, you don't necessarily have to part with your top three or four guys, but if you got to part with someone like an Andy Pajes in order to get a lockdown guy for the eighth or the seventh, I think you got to get it done because that bullpen come October could be very, very scary outside of maybe a few reliable arms. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think you need at least two relievers at, at the deadline. I, I, have locked in on the Detroit Tigers as the team that makes the most sense. They got four relievers in that bullpen who would be perfect fits uh, for the Dodgers. The closer, Gregory Soto, not Juan Soto, Gregory Soto, uh, was an all-star this year, has having a pretty solid season. He's had a couple blow-ups recently, I think even two days ago. His FIP is a little higher than his ERA, which is a little bit concerning, but he, he misses bats uh, and he gets strikeouts. 
three other guys just real quick. Michael Fulmer, J- Joe Jimenez, and Andrew Chafin are the other three guys in that bullpen. If you can get two of those guys for a couple lower-level lower prospects, maybe a mid-level prospect, you got to pull the trigger on that because as we've seen, when you rely on two guys like Evan Phillips and Kimbrell pretty much as like the main guys in this bullpen and they don't necessarily perform as lights out as you want them to, you kind of get into trouble really, really quick. Uh, we saw that in the Giants series when they blew a couple leads. And you can't have that in the playoffs. You just can't. You need a couple guys you can rely on. Uh, that's why they won the World Series in 2020, because they had that in the bullpen for the first year in, in forever uh, with Trinan. So if you can get if you can get Soto, but even if you can't get Gregory Soto, they got three other guys in that bullpen who can come in and get outs and ease the ease the stress of the high leverage guys they currently have now. I think the Dodgers roster flexibility wise, they can only really afford to add one reliever, especially if they're going to rock with a six man rotation to get through the season, because that seems to be the possible trend. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Who how you do you figure that? The- because they already they already optioned Mitch White down. They said they're going to stick with well, a five man rotation. Anderson so who- Anderson's taken this. He's the sixth spot. Who Heaney? Well, because Anderson was on the outside to enter the season, now he's in, and yeah, Heaney's back. Well, I think I think they just wanted to do it for like a week or two, just to like during this like little stretch when they they play like eighteen straight games. I think they said that when they're out of this stretch, they're going to go back to five. But I agree, because if you go back to five, then all of a sudden you're starting to push guys into the bullpen, which I was kind of talking about come October. Then you're pushing like Tyler Anderson, the Heen Dog, maybe Gonsolin, you're pushing them into the bullpen. So like you'll have the options, but again, it's just, do you want to risk it or do you just want to be safe and get some guys in case, you know, injuries do happen? Yeah, so I think they... Isn't it just Kershaw, Arias, Anderson, Heaney, and Gonsolin right now? Yeah, with White down, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, David Price is, you know, not some thing they need to just hold on to. If you can get one of these guys on the Detroit Tigers that I just mentioned, sorry, dude, but like, it's over. Like we're not, we're not wasting a roster spot with David Price. And I, I will say he's pitched okay recently, but if you can upgrade that, you know, they're, they're not going to not do that just because they're, they got a spot, you know, for David Price. All right. Yes, you're right. I forgot Walker Buehler is injured, but I guess I was thinking too far ahead where I assume I'm hoping Walker Buehler is back into the rotation. I also am hoping Dustin May enters the rotation and then you are left with Gratterall, Trine and Kimbrell. That's three. Vessia, Caleb Ferguson. That's, that's five relievers right there. Phillips, Almonte. Phillips, Almonte. I think if everyone, if everyone's healthy, things get interesting with yeah, who, somebody who's getting good, off. Somebody good gets snubbed for sure. So I think it's a problem to have. Yeah, so I think they do need to acquire one good reliever. And I'll tell you who I don't want them to get, David Bedner. I think the asking price is going to be way yeah. too high. He's also been struggling over his last 16 and two-thirds innings. He's got a 540 ERA and a Probably because he threw 70 split. pitches against the Dodgers that one game. <laughs> yeah. So he's been overworked. <laughs> God. Um, my ridiculous. top target, and I, I don't know if the Dodgers are actually going to get him but david robertson is my number one target 183 era his stat cast gives him a hundred out of a hundred grade on his fastball spin his x era is in the 96 percentile his only weakness is he's got a lot of walks but in terms of strikeout ability and stuff wise grades out great uh young jeremy 18 
would like to see the Dodgers potentially pursue Scott Barlow. I think he'd be a great option too. a right-handed reliever with the Royals has a 193 ERA so far on the season. Uh, opponents are hitting 143 against his curveball, but kind of like Bueller struggling with the fastball, the opposition's hitting 371 against it. So that's kind of a bit of a red flag right there. And he's also a Royal. I still have Scott Alexander PTSD and that didn't work out. Ryan Madsen was a Royal at one point. He came over. That didn't really work out. So maybe we don't you, want to trust you the Royals. You get to see Danny Duffy like in the Dodger dugout. No, no, no. We don't talk about Danny Duffy on this <laughs> podcast. We've we've already inst- I've in, I've instituted a rule. We don't talk about Danny Duffy until he actually pitches for the Dodgers because it's 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 a long story. I don't even they, need that. I just need to see this guy in the dugout. No, no, no. <laughs> like we where is the, where is he? Him. If he throws one inning, well, actually one pitch in no, a major one. league game, then we can talk about it. I'm down. A guy that I'm all of a sudden pretty high on. And I used to really despise him and thought he was pretty bad as a starter, but I'm talking about the Texas Rangers own Matt Moore, the lefty having a great rejuvenation season. And it, it appears that the Rangers are going to trade him 174 ERA 250 expected ERA opponents are hitting 091 against his changeup. He's only given up one home run so far on the season. And we know how much the Rangers are obsessed with Dodgers players. So I think they could easily get that done. He'd be a rental option. And then we had another question coming from Brad Z Samper. If there were any Orioles targets that we'd like to see the Dodgers pursue, I know Jorge Lopez is a popular option, but the O's are winning. I don't know if they're going to be sellers now. They probably they will. I, I think they, well, yeah, they probably will, but they should go for it just because it's fun. Have them compete. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up selling, but yeah, they, they do have some intriguing, intriguing names that I could see potentially being in play. Mancini is a free agent after this year. They could trade him too. And he thinks he's, he already thinks he's gone. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I've, I'm, I've fixed, like, aren't they like what two games out of the wild card? Like I get their exceeding expectations, but like, you got to ride this. They have a better record than the Red Sox. Unbelievable. Any other major league relievers that were on your list or you wanted to talk about real quick? It's tough. Cause I was thinking like a, a few weeks ago, I did an article where I went over, I think like six or seven names. I forget exactly who was on there. I know you touched on a couple of them. Matt Moore was on there. It's just tough because again, like I, I would like to see them go get a high leverage guy. Some of the names you mentioned were really good. It's just, I, I just got the feeling that it's like not going to be even worth my time because I feel like Friedman is going to pick up some reliever I've never heard of, or I'm going to see the name and go, that sounds familiar. Who's probably going to shove and be solid, but it's, it's going to be some guy that none of us have on our radar. I'm assuming someone that we're not even considering looking into, or it's again, just going to be someone off waivers that has an ERA of eight that turns it around with the Dodgers. So like I said, it, it was tough to like really dive too deep into it because all the really good relievers I'd like to see the Dodgers acquire, I don't think is going to happen. So who knows? We'll see. Maybe uh, Friedman surprises us, but it's tough. I also agree with David. So there are some really good names on the Tigers that you can get. And again, it's just a matter of, is he going to want to, you know, pay the hefty price, which I don't even for some of them, I don't think it would even cost a whole lot. Do you, David, do you know how much, uh, how many years of control Soto had left? I think he's got two more after this year. So he'll, he'll be more expensive than yeah, the other so guys, that one, obviously. That one will be, but like a guy like Chafin, who I think is a free agent yeah. at the end of the year, like he'll be a cheap one. So there are some guys, it's just, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, as we saw last year by them acquiring the man who shall not be named, it was an underwhelming pickup, but who knows? He'll work his magic. I also like how I refer to it as Freeman when Brandon Gomes is the GM and 
he's probably making the phone calls mostly. So we'll, we'll, we'll give some credit to Brandon Gomes. Yeah. And, and you saw, I'm sure you guys saw Heyman reported that the Dodgers are once again, interested in Garrett Cooper for like the 12th time in like yeah. three years. So, I mean, Hey, if you get him packaged with Pablo Lopez, then that that's a solid, you know, acquisition at the deadline too. You know, I'm not too familiar with their relievers, but I'm sure they could throw in one of those guys too. Maybe the Anthony yeah, Bender. Anthony Bass. Bass or Bender. Isn't there a guy named Bender on that team too? I don't know. Bass is the good one. Okay. Got an ERA under two. He's basically their closer. So yeah, let's move on to hitters then. Garrett Cooper was the first name I had brought up. Like David just said, seems to just pop up every time the stove begins to warm. I don't know what, what the Dodgers actually see in this guy. He might be one of the worst all-stars ever selected as well. <laughs> I don't know how a guy He's with the a... second worst behind the crone zone this year. That hey, I'll have to give to hey, you. Hey, respect University of Michigan product, Jay Cronenworth. Oh, dude. God. How they gave it to Cronenworth, clearly name recognition or something, because he did not deserve it one no, bit. No, it's that stupid rule they have where it has to do with, like, the voting results, where yeah. it just, like, keeps – that's that's why I think Cooper was – because he was like third or fourth in like DH voting. That's why William Contreras was on there instead of Will Smith too. And I had unshowered Braves fans yelling at me on Twitter thinking, oh, he wasn't voted in. Well, technically he was because he was second. So then they let him in because of that. Yeah. But I don't expect them to understand anything. So I'm not interested in Cooper. 279 batting average, 773 OPS with seven home runs and 40 RBIs is solid as a role player. But as a right-handed bat, when you when you post a 597 OPS against left-handed pitching and zero home runs, what are you really good for then? Clearly nothing. <laughs> like, I he, some... he, he's not going to be my first choice at all, or probably my second or my third. But yeah, I, I mean, at this point, like, I I feel like the Dodgers are going to make the world series. Like I'm comfortable saying that. So whatever you can do to add to potentially help, it doesn't even have to help, but you can just bring in some kind of reinforcement to maybe help. I'm for that. Yeah. I mean, outside of, I mean, like, yeah, Gary Cooper, like if they get him, it is what it is. Like it's a okay bat bench piece to have. I know people are all over Brandon jury. I want nothing to do with that. Like, I think it's just, a decent first half. Again, if, if he's like a bench piece, fine, but I, I'm not going to expect anything more. The one name outside of Soto that I think would be fantastic, I just know it would never happen because the Dodgers don't utilize the DH is J.D. Martinez. But again, you cannot put that guy in left field or anywhere in the field. And as we've seen, Justin Turner has to get half the DH days. Muncy is going to keep getting them until the dude actually goes on the IL. So there's no actual room for J.D. Martinez, but if the Dodgers somehow were to just say, all right, Justin Turner, you're getting two games a week at the DH spot. JD's getting the other five, maybe. But like I said, I know that's not going to happen. I see. I disagree because I think they could make it work. I think the regular season, they don't really care about at this point. Yeah, you could make it work in the regular season where you you kind of alternate Turner and Muncie every other day and alternate JD two out of three games. But for the playoffs, you're going to have Will Smith catching pretty much every day. Uh, you can you can make it work with JD Martinez at the DH spot. With oh yeah, the rest I see of the that, yeah, come playoff time. So you, I mean, you're you're acquiring him for the playoffs. You know, the regular season, this division is over. They are they, this division is over. I think they're gonna have the best record in the NL. Not that it matters. It, at this point, it almost is better to have the second best record because right now, yeah, I yeah. think you'd play the winner of the Cardinals and the Phillies or something instead of the Padres and the Braves. Yeah. So 
if they would were to get him, I think it'd be strictly for a playoff role, you know? I could see that as well. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Assuming, again, everyone's healthy come October, you stick to your guns with who's going to be playing. Hopefully, yeah. again, at that point, like I, I get Max Muncy, what you've done. I appreciate it. I love you. But he's not getting paid $40 million. He's only getting paid like 12 or $13 million. And if it's October, Justin Turner, which we've seen him the last like month, is finally turning things around. If he's your everyday third baseman, you got Chris Taylor in left field. Again, I could see yeah, J.D. Martinez being the everyday DH, and then you just keep Trace Thompson, Edwin Rios, uh, Jake Lamb if needed on the bench. So, yeah, come playoff time, they can make it work. And like you said, the division's over. So, yeah, with that being said, throw him out there in left field with an 11-game lead. I don't <laughs> yeah, care. What's, exactly. the, what's the worst that can happen? Exactly. Yeah, and the addition of Trace Thompson has really basically allowed the Dodgers to not be desperate for outfield depth anymore. When you're batting 303 with a 917 OPS, three home runs, 15 RBIs, that's a steal right there. Uh, yeah, J.D. Martinez was near the top of my list as well uh, for all the reasons David mentioned because come playoffs, they are going to pretty much roll out the same lineup, and it's going to boil down to do you want Max Muncy as your DH or do you want J.D. Martinez? And I think the answer is pretty clear, like, clear right now. It's J.D. Martinez. And worst case scenario, Muncy actually figures things out and you have a really good problem on your hands about, uh, oh, who do, who do we go with? Oh, Chris Taylor has to ride pine today? Darn, like, oh, well. Like, there are worse problems to have. Right. And it, I think it's the Red Sox are going to be in an interesting spot because they're, I don't think anybody's doing anything uh, serious for them this year. I mean, you, you're going to have to pay – uh, is it Bogarts is Bogarts is the free agent and then Devers the year after, I think. Yeah. Uh, JD Martinez is a free agent after this year. So what, what, what they are going to do is going to dictate a lot. I mean, I doubt they trade Bogarts, but I could definitely see them, uh, trading JD Martinez for sure. Yes. A couple other names real quick for the bats. Dodgers have been tied to Whit Merrifield once again. I think they should pass there every, every year. He's kind of he's past his prime. He's really struggling. He's I, last I, I looked, I think he had the worst war in baseball. <laughs> Actually, I think it was the second worst behind Spencer Torkelson. <laughs> yeah, pretty rough. Very cheap contract though, and I still think he has like three years of control, like four million a year or something. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Wild. Uh, and then Ian Happ will most likely be traded as well. Yeah. Dodgers aren't really linked to him, but he makes the most sense if they were to acquire a bat due to his versatility. I've uh, touched on him a lot recently. Uh, that's really it for the bats. Pitchers, we haven't really talked about starters yet. We dipped our toes in, but let's get into it right now. Dub Quacker 7 on Twitter would like to hear us give our thoughts on Luis Castile and Frankie Montas. If the Dodgers were to acquire one pitcher, starters or relievers, Luis Castile is that guy for me. I think he is just that good. He is pitching in the middle of a game right now against the Marlins, so his stats are a little uh, fluctuated. But last I saw, he had a 289 ERA through 14 starts. The opposition's batting 138 against his four-seamer, and we've seen it get up to 100 miles per hour. So he throws gas. He also also has a filthy slider, 167 average against. The only thing that really scares me is the asking price. I saw that Heyman reported that they asked for the Yankees' top two prospects. So that has me thinking that they're going to ask the same from the Dodgers. And I don't want them to give up Ryan Pepio because I really do think he is going to be that good. He's been absolutely shoving in the minors and the little bits and pieces up in the pros. He's looked pretty good as well. Uh, 
I am, I am on the fence with Diego Cartaya. If it really just came down to him for Castillo and maybe Drury, I think I would pull the trigger just because when you add Castillo to the rotation, now you got a guy that's probably a guarantee to give you six innings, really shortens up the bullpen. You can move a guy like Heaney or Anderson now into the, the bullpen come playoffs, and that's more flexibility. And then the other concern on the flip side is, can Tony Gonsolin sustain this, or is he now going to start to regress? He's looked pretty bad his last two outings, kind of got bapped to death against the Nationals. But at the same time, he really hasn't proven it in the postseason yet. So do we roll with Gonsolin as a Game 3 starter, or do you just want to lock in that World Series and go with Castillo? God, like, yeah, I, I know I mentioned it earlier. You know, I don't think necessarily the Dodgers need starting pitching. Out of all the names available, um, like Luis Castillo would definitely be the top of my list. Or Shane Bieber, if the Guardians actually are down to pull that off, that'd be kind of fun. But I do worry about the asking price for Castillo just because I would be a little hesitant to part with like a Diego Cartaya or a Bobby Miller when, again, it's not necessarily a massive need, but like I said, adding Castillo, then you're solidifying your rotation come October, and then you're able to push a guy like Gonsal into the bullpen as opposed to having them start. Because again, assuming everyone's healthy, it would just become Kershaw, Urias, Castillo, and then either Bueller or May, depending on how, how those two look. So it would help out the Dodgers come October, but like I said, considering he's the best option by far, I do think it's going to be a steep asking price. So we'll see. Again, I'd, I'd prefer, especially if, you know, that asking price was the top two prospects, I'd rather just attach another top two prospects and just get Juan Soto for that price. But then again, I wouldn't be too upset because it would greatly help the Dodgers. But again, with all the arms, I, I, I don't think it's a massive need, but we'll see. I mean, we, we will see what, you know, the asking price is as the deadline gets closer. Yeah, so I agree. I, I think the asking price for these top guys, uh, Castillo, Montes, uh, and maybe even Tyler Molly, is going to be too too steep for the Dodgers. I, I don't think they necessarily need a starting pitcher. I think you have guys coming back, potentially Bueller. Dustin May will be back. Uh, you have Mitch White, and then you have guys like Ryan Pepio who have pitched pretty well, you know, in a small sample size that you can use if you have to. So I don't think they need to necessarily dive into their prospect pool to, to trade for one of these top guys. I think you can go out and get a guy like Martin Perez from the Rangers kind of as a stopgap or an emergency, you know, starter to just have on the team. Uh, he, he was an all-star this year. He's put together a pretty impressive season. Honestly, if you look at his numbers, no, he's not a flashy name. No, some people may, be an may not have even, not necessarily. I mean, he's a free agent after this year. So it's a, it's strictly a rental. It's not like the Rangers GM is operating with, you know, superior intelligence. I mean, they, you know, they, what have they, what have they done well, you know, organizationally in the past 10 years. So I, I don't think it's going to be that much of an overpay. I think you can get away with, trading not a top five to seven prospect to get Martin Perez. And then you go, go out and get one of these Tigers relievers, maybe a, a small bat and call it a day. I think that's what I would do if I was the GM, uh, depending on the price for guys like Castillo, for guys like Pablo Lopez. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, like I said at the beginning, I think bullpen needs to be the priority. Rangers pitching lap has quietly been pretty good at turning guys careers around they did it with lance lynn martin perez matt moore i'm sure there's others i'm playing it on but matt moore yeah i just, well, I just I, he's had like half a season like as decent like i don't know if that qualifies as like a t- turning his entire career around 
Well, it does. It's going to be Martin Perez was actually pretty good for the Red Sox. He kind of fell apart at the end, but last year he was first half. He was good. All right, let's get into the main dance. Juan Soto, Blake, tell us why the Dodgers are trading for Juan Soto. Yeah, see, I, I'm, I'm at the point where, again, whatever happens, I'm okay with because either they do and you get them or you don't need to keep the entire farm system intact. But I'm still on the thing where, yeah, no, they don't need him. But this is one of the rare instances where arguably the best hitter in all of baseball is available. Obviously, you've heard the comparisons. You've heard that he's only 23. And I think it's a thing where you just get him. Now, if it's that insane graphic that we've all seen on Twitter the last few days of (laughs) Gavin Lux, Dustin May, and your top six prospects, then I'll say, okay, hold back a little. Don't necessarily trade eight guys, but if you can pull it off with trading your top three guys, maybe a couple other in your top 15, I think you do it because the thing with all these prospects, I know I'm high on Pepio, I'm high on Bobby Miller, I'm high on Gavin Stone, but there's like no, you know, clear path for any of these pitchers, any of these hitters necessarily. Maybe Miguel Vargas if Justin Turner retires at the end of the season, but none of these guys have a clear path, especially with Diego Cartaya. So if you can get Soto for two and a half years, I don't even care if you don't re-sign him. Um, I, I think that gives you the best hitter for a three-year postseason run. So I think they should do it again, assuming it's not the uh, DN asking price, which is just then I'd say hold off, but. Yeah, for, for top prospects, four or five guys, whether it's Lux or whether it's May, hate to lose them, but you got to do it to get, to get a guy like Juan Soto because they never become available. And I think every, you know, guy you've looked at that's had the, you know, trajectory he's had, you would trade for all those guys in an instant heartbeat. So not a necessity, not a need. But then again, we've seen this lineup struggle in the second half of that lineup. If Trey Turner or Freddie Freeman go ice cold in October, we saw what happened in the NLCS last year when AJ Pollock and Chris Taylor were the only ones that can hit the ball. Uh, things don't go so well. So it's some insurance as well. You can never have too many bouts. And those are my quick thoughts on Juan Soto. All right. Anything else you guys wanted to touch on on Juan Soto before I go? I'll just say a quick thing because I just wrap my thing up. Also, it's great if you're doing it to keep him away from the Padres or if the Giants want to get cute just because, again, you, you don't want to face him for the next two and a half years. So just just for that little expert as well. Yeah, so my take is like the longer this goes on, the more I kind of am against it. Um, I think the Dodgers would love to have him, but I think that they don't really need him. I mean, it's I think either it was Kevin or Jake who said this last week, but it's not like the NBA or the NFL where – you get one guy and that guy basically just wins you stuff. It's, you know, it's a whole team. It's like, look at the angels and look at Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I mean, those are two of the top three, four players in baseball and they can't even make the playoffs. So yes. Well, if you add Soto to this current Dodgers team that only elevates him, but he's still just one guy. So I'm not okay. Just tanking the farm for him. But if you can get him without giving up may Lux, Bobby Miller, uh, and maybe one other top prospect, then yeah, you, of course you do it. But I think other teams like the Padres, the Cardinals, possibly the Mariners are going to be more desperate to have him and more willing to give up what it's going to take to get him. Uh, the Giants don't have the prospect capital to do that. And and it's not like they would pay him anyway. So I, I get it. I think where Kevin's going to go is I think he would want them, want the Padres to get him because it would only tank. They're already kind of solid, but kind of dwindling farm. 
So I don't think even if the Padres get Soto, I don't who I don't think they're still that good. I mean, the top three in their lineup is amazing, but I mean, what else do they have? The pitching is kind of not that great anymore. Half their rotation is going to be a free agent, and their bullpen sucks. So who knows? I mean, I I would I would love to see it, but I think my dream situation is he doesn't get traded this this deadline. And then the Dodgers get him in the offseason when the price is cheaper, less prospects to trade, and then you get him. Yeah, so that was me that made that comparison last week. And I'm going to poke some holes in Blake's argument. First of all, throwing away Bobby Miller and Ryan Pepe like they're pieces of bacon. They're going to need those guys in maybe a year from now, at least two minimum, because Clayton Kershaw could be – either retiring or on a new team, who knows, in a year. That's always a question mark, especially if he's year-to-year. Walker Bueller dealing with some injuries right now. He's also an impending free agent in about two seasons, I believe. Same with Julio Urias, who's a Scott Boris client. You got Tony Gonsolin, who's under control, but you never know where he could end up regressing or he could just end up still being pretty good. I don't want to bake on Gonsolin. And then you got Dustin May, who's coming off the Tommy John surgery. But what the Dodgers tend to do with guys coming off a major injury is babying them to death. So I'm sure the innings limit will be tight on May. And then you got Tyler Anderson, who's probably going to get a fat contract by another team in the offseason. And Andrew Heaney, I could see them re-signing him because he's barely pitched this season. And it seems like it's a match made for heaven with uh, Heaney. So you're going to need Pepio. You're going to need Miller to be cornerstones in the rotation. Gavin Stone seems poised to be part of that too. But after those three guys in the farm system, it's a whole bunch of question marks. They, they draft drafted Bruns, but he hasn't been good so far. Landon Knack is already like 25 and he's only in double a can't really count on him. And then they got a couple other guys I know who've been shoving, but again, big question marks. The certainties are Miller Pepio for sure. And I don't want to see the nationals rotation all of a sudden be a bunch of what could have been on the Dodgers with um, Josiah Gray, obviously for ones. And now I'm talking Miller and Papio. That's three guys right there. Yeah. I, I get being hesitant parting with both Miller and Pepio. You know, if, if it's just one of them, I think that's great. I'm actually, th- this may be a hot take, but I'm actually starting to be higher on stone than I am Bobby Miller. Like I really think Gavin stone has a chance to be, an absolute weapon for the Dodgers. But like you said, with especially next year, assuming Kirsch, like, you know, Bueller is going to be there. You know, May is going to be there. You know, Julio is going to be there. But after that, you know, there are two question marks. So yeah, I would be hesitant to part with two of them in a deal. Like if it was just Pepio, then I'd be more inclined. But yeah, I, I, I get that as well, because I do think the Dodgers do have some pitching coming up, but none outside those names that are going to be ready next year maybe 2024, 2025, because they do have some really good guys from last year's draft. Like the fact, the fact that Maddox Bruns, who was their first rounder has been like the sixth best pitcher from last year's class. And he hasn't been awful. He just had, I think one or two really bad outings and he hasn't pitched that much. So 2024, 2025, the pitching is going to come, but yeah, there are some concerns with the rotation next year, Bobby Miller and, you know, Pepio should be the guys for next season. So yeah, maybe trading both isn't ideal, but if you can get out of it, keeping you know pepio which i think they can or if they attach cartaya maybe they can somehow keep bobby miller so it can happen but i i agree with wanting to hold on to the to the young pitchers so do you guys think juan soto will be on a new team before the end of august 2nd 
I, I'm sticking to my guns with what I said last week. I don't think they're going to trade him. I think Jeff Passan said it's inevitable, but I don't care. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I just don't. I don't think the team is going to be able to put together a package that satisfies what the Nationals are looking for. Uh, who knows? They could still try to salvage that relationship uh, and rework on a contract with him over the next you know, offseason. He's still under contract. You know, He's not going to not play. So worst case scenario, they trade him in the offseason if it doesn't work out. I don't think they should be rushed into a decision. Uh, yes, you'll get possibly more because it's going to be three postseasons instead of two. Yeah. But if the, if the right trade isn't there, I don't think they're just going to ship him off to the highest bidder. Yeah. I'm 50, 50 on it. Like I obviously, the, if you're trading him, you're still going to be getting a solid package in the off season. You might not get six top tier names, but you'll probably get five. You'll definitely get a better package though around. I still stand by if the Dodgers want him, they'll get him just because I do think they have the best package to offer. I mean, whether the nationals want, Young, young players, young big league players like Lux or May, you know, young pitchers that they've already been racking up. I think the Dodgers can offer. I also wouldn't be shocked if the Padres actually pull off a deal where they just throw Abrams, they throw Gore, and they throw their top five prospects. Like, that would not surprise me in the slightest. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they make it the biggest trade like in MLB history, which <laughs> Preller would definitely want to do. Um, so if that's like, like I, I actually would not be surprised. And I think the Padres might do that, especially if it's like 24 hours until the deadline and they're going – this is our shot. Let's do it. And they actually give them like, again, a, an unprecedented package that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. I'm also sticking with my gut that I said last week, Juan Soto will be on a new team. The, the price will never be this high ever again. And I think teams are desperate enough to really piggy up and pay the nationals what they want. I think what we're kind of hearing on a surface level is more like the overpay side of things where the nationals are trying to, essentially lure teams into overspending for Juan Soto. But I think you have to be realistic here and teams know like what they can offer at the most. And I think the nationals in turn will get what they actually want. And that's why I do think Juan Soto will be a San Diego Padre. I know Dodger fans don't want to hear that. Even though Mackenzie Gore did go on the IL with an elbow injury. Don't think it's going to be serious where he's ha- he's going to have to get Tommy John and you'll still have, Lots of years of control with him, even if he does have to miss the rest of the season. It's not like the Nationals are going anywhere anyways, so they can afford to eat that remaining season with Gore. Yeah, you mentioned Abrams, Hassel. I think they'd throw Ryan Weathers in there, who's still James, at least... James Wood is going to be in that deal if, he, if that's a Padre. That guy's going to be a good player. So the Padres, they have the prospect capital, and I think they're desperate enough to do it. The Cardinals are the other team I hear a lot of buzz about. They have great prospects as well. The only thing I have against why I don't think it makes sense for St. Louis is I don't see them paying Juan Soto. I really don't. They, they let Pujols walk, obviously much older, but in the history of that franchise, they've never shelled out. I don't think they've ever shelled out a $300 million contract. Yeah, and- I mean, you, you could see – I could see teams like the Padres and the Cardinals trading for him and, and then not paying him, you know, yeah. which is – Sounds insane for only, you know, two and a half seasons and three postseasons if they even make it. Uh, but it's, I think that's, you know, if you're, unless you're the Dodgers or the Yankees, I don't think it's a sure thing that you're, if you trade for Soto, that you're going to pay him. So yeah. it's pretty insane. But like you said, Preller would do it. And that's, that's the reason why I do think it's either the Padres overpaying 
the Dodgers just saying, let's do this, or he stays because the Cardinals, yeah, I agree. I don't think they're, I mean, they're also paying Goldschmidt, but they're playing Arenado. I don't think they're going to want to shell out 500 million. I think the Mariners, they have to worry about locking up Julio. They have to worry about all the young talent they have. And again, I don't think they would overpay knowing you're only going to be getting three and a half years. I know people are saying, yeah, I know that that's what makes it so easy to trade for him. You don't have to resign him. But again, if you're giving up this much, like that, that's a unless you know for a fact, like he can get you over the hump, it's not worth trading if he's not going to resign. So yeah, it's, it's again, the Dodgers, the Yankees, they can afford him. Maybe a team comes out of nowhere and says, we got no problem giving him 500 million, but Texas that's not Rangers. Yeah. I mean, well, again, the even going back to the Padres, which is why this whole thing would be so glorious. There's no way they'd be able to afford him unless Machado opts out of his deal next year and leaves. And Tatis is like the only one they got left. So maybe then they can afford him. But if that's the case, they're in, I mean, their farm system, I think, was ranked like 22nd or 23rd entering the season. Very top heavy with a few of those guys that are in the top 100. But if you get rid of those three or four guys in the top 100 and get rid of them, that farm is going to be making a strong case for the worst or the second to worst in baseball, which a few years from now is going to you know bite them. And we know Preller is an idiot, and I still think he'd be dumb enough to make this deal, but he's got to be thinking like the farm system would be gone if we made this trade. The Dodgers, they'd probably be ranked 15th or so. A year or two from now, they'd be back in the top 10. But like the, the Padres farm system would actually be the worst. And it would take a long time to uh, even get back to the top 15 or so. Yeah. Good, good I points. mean, if, if you lose, if you lose Gore, Abrams, Hassel and Wood, that farm system is for sure the worst in baseball for sure. Yep. And, you know, they are technically paying Juan Soto money right now to two guys. They're just not getting the production out of them whatsoever. And I'm referring to Eric Hosmer and Will Myers. So you do a direct swap, those two guys off the book for Soto, definitely a big upgrade. And I said it last week, the Padres are in a weird spot where the window is wide open in terms of the offense, but on the pitching side of things, it's a very small window yeah. because, you know, Musgrove is probably a lock to resign, but after that, I already reiterated, but Darvish, Snell, Clevenger, those are three guys right there who probably aren't there for the long scope of things. Uh, anything else trade deadline wise you guys wanted to cover? We do have a question on Twitter from at Checo 14 uh, over the last couple few years, who were some trade rumors or trade targets that you're glad to see the Dodgers didn't make? I got one that I was going to mention earlier when you brought up Bednar and that's Felipe Vasquez yes. <laughs> yeah. when the pirates wanted Gavin Lux, Capert Ruiz and, and Dustin may. And we all know what happened a few weeks later. So, I mean, one, even if the dude would have been a solid reliever, like that deal, no chance. But yeah, in hindsight, good, good, good Lord. Thank goodness they uh, didn't uh, pull that one off. That was, that's definitely the top of my list too. I mean, I, I can think of a couple others that I, you know, that they did make and I wish they didn't make, but in terms of ones that they didn't make that they almost made, Vasquez has got to be the top of the list. Yeah, absolutely. Just in case anyone doesn't know, Vasquez was exposed for being a pedophile, uh, <laughs> hooking up with a 13-year-old girl, I want to say. Yeah, he's in jail. And he is in, he is in prison for a while. It's hard to think of other trade deadline guys because most of the ones that I can think of come in the offseason, like the big ones to, that – that stand out to me, Anthony Rendon for one. 
felt like half of Dodgers nation wanted to sign this guy just because they probably were biased after a, uh, the recency world series, 2019 run that they had. Well, He's been that, an absolute... that was off season, right? Not deadline. This is off season. Yes. Okay. So that's a signing. Uh, Garrett Cole's another one did not want to sign him. He's been solid, but I don't think he's $300 million worthy. Uh, and then other trades Harper. I wanted so bad. Yeah. Especially for that, a uh, four year mega deal that was being proposed. Yeah. I was on board with it. The I mean, it worked out. It worked out. Actually, I got one. You know what I'm, you know, what's one that I'm glad didn't happen when we acquired Araldis Chapman for like two hours. Oh Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think who was, out. who who was there ever reported who um was supposed to be going to the Reds I don't think it year? ever was. But the trade I, was the trade was announced. I it was I just don't think they ever announced who the Dodgers were sending. I think they gave up Shebler and it ended up being like the same pieces for the Montas Trace Thompson like three-way split. Was, yeah. And then it got rescinded and they did that instead. Hey, I'll, I'll add another one. I'm glad the uh, Angels trade didn't happen with good old Art Nixon because he couldn't wait. And the Dodgers yeah. would have given up Jock and Ross and Andy Paez. Yep. The ones that I wish happened that pissed me off, 08 CC Sabathia, Frank McCourt, vetoing that when the yeah. trade was basically ready. And then I guess in 2004, we had Sean Green tell us the team was on the verge of acquiring Randy Johnson – same thing. Frank McCourt didn't want to shove up the money either. Apparently the whole clubhouse knew like the Randy Johnson trade was like inches away from happening and money is what prevented it. Screw Frank McCourt. <laughs> and his parking lot. Out. Oh God, that's going to be my, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but he'll, he'll be making another appearance at the end of the show. All right. We'll get to that in just a second. One more question from at dot blue heaven. He wants me to ask you, Blake, who's going to be the Dodgers shortstop next season. Hopefully it's Trey Turner. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. Hopefully they shout out the money. Um, I saw, I saw this, I forget where it was sent to me. And I think it was from some like Padres show. So put whatever you want into that. He was some guy that claiming he had some sort of connection I didn't buy it one bit, but hearing this, I was like, this would be absolutely fantastic. And it was if in the case, the Dodgers acquired uh, Juan Soto is that Trey Turner would sign a two-year deal with the Dodgers for a higher AAV. So he could enter free agency with Juan Soto, which again, the reports be yes, but I would be on board. Cause I'm, I want the Dodgers to bring back Trey Turner. I'm very hesitant to give him one of those lengthy deals more than probably five or six years because I think he's going to regress within the next couple of years. Once it, once that speed starts to die down a little, he's not going to be getting his infield singles as often as possible. Won't be stretching doubles into triples, singles into doubles. I think he'll still be a valuable piece. I don't think he's going to be as valuable. So if the Dodgers are able to sign him for like a, again, AAV of in the low 30s for five to six years, I would be okay with that. There are reports that he's going to get more than Seager, which I don't think that's going to be the case. No. Yeah, I don't if think he'll get is, more. If he comes anywhere near three hundred million, I do want the Dodgers to stay away. But again, then again, I hope it's Trey Turner. So that that's my answer. And if it's Lux, so be it. Or you know, Xander Bogarts, he'll be a free agent. So it's not an awful uh, fallback plan if you can't bring back Trey. 
Yeah. So I think based off what you're willing to pay him, he's gone. Cause I think he is going to get paid 30 million a year, no matter what. And it's probably going to be closer to eight to 10 year range. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of teams willing to pay that. Obviously the Philadelphia. Phillies are one. Yeah. Uh, I think Gavin Lux will be the Dodgers shortstop next season. I think they have the depth, assuming they don't trade them all for Soto with Vargas and Bush are going to be your next generation of infielders. And now you don't have to really force Lux into the outfield. Hopefully next season, he can be the everyday shortstop, get comfortable in that role role. And why not? I mean, he's batting 301 this season. He's got an OPS over 800 over the last 30 games. He's batting 333 with a 919 OPS. So he's gotten really comfortable as David predicted. This would be his breakout season. I thought it would be last season. So I got a little impatient, but the patience has a, definitely paid off and he's been a big factor for the Dodgers all year long. If Lux can just like one more thing on Lux, the dude literally just has to hit 15 homers a year and you can make the case. He's like the best hitting second baseman in baseball. Yeah. Like that's, that's always got to do at this point. He doesn't have to be hitting 30 like he was doing in the minors. If he can just hit 15, like the fact that he has an OPS of 800 and like a WRC plus of 130 with literally no power is like insane. Like if he had, 12 home runs right now his wrc plus would be like 150 (laughs) like it's amazing how good he can be if that power comes just in the slightest and i think that's the next step for him i think this was a huge year for him to prove that he belonged and obviously he's done that in a major way so i think next year we're gonna see more of that power start to come back because that's that's the natural next step in his game uh i mean we've seen the a lot of his slug uh, percentage wise is not coming from his bat. It's coming from his speed. He's hitting singles that are turning into doubles, you know, and, and, and doubles turning into triples. So I think once we see him actually start to slug more, which I think we will next year, it's, it's game over. Yeah. All right. We'll take a break from the Dodger stuff for a few minutes and get into some miscellaneous slash other Dodger rant things. So David, you can start. Yeah. So my, I, I forgot to do this last week. I think, I think, yes, I forgot to do this last week. So I'm going to do it this week. So my idiot of the week, let me preface it with, I was at the home run derby and the all-star game had a great time. was a very good event put on by major league baseball and the Dodgers, but Holy shit. Getting out of that stadium was a disaster. My God. It is indescribable how pathetic it is. There is no excuse for a team who has been there 60 years to not come up with a solution to get cars out of there. Just figure it out. I get that you're on a whole incline, if you will, and there's one or two ways out. I don't care. You're a multi-billion dollar organization. Build something figure it out. There's no possible way that these planners or these traffic control people can be this bad. It is, it was historically bad. And some of you listening will be like, well, haven't you ever been to Dodger stadium? Yes. I've been to Dodger stadium, been there hundreds of times throughout my life. That was the worst it's ever been. I've been to the world series games. This is the worst it's ever been. So my idiot of the week, actually my idiot of the last, Century is the Dodger Stadium parking planners. Whoever designed this should be sent to Guantanamo Bay. It is that bad. 
I, I, and I don't get it. It's been this bad. How have we not figured out some kind of a way to make it better? How? The gondola is coming. Well, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> yeah, that will be perfect for you, David. No, no, I, I get there's no like train or like real public transportation. I get that. I'm fully aware of the situation they are in. However, they've had 60 years to figure this out. 60. And what do we get? Nothing. You sit in the parking lot for an hour after the home run derby to maybe get on the freeway in an hour. It's a joke. They need to figure it out. Whatever that planner's name who did a great job with the center field area is, she needs to figure this out too. How about that? That was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I Have mean, a- what are we doing? What, what I, I'm, I'm legitimately asking, what are they, how have we not done anything about this? Maybe Frank McCord doesn't want it. Yeah. I mean, that it would make sense, but like, can they prevent, can he prevent them from like building something or doing some, anything, literally anything? I don't think so. My, my uh, co-idiot of the week, and I don't normally give people this small per se on Twitter attention, but I got to throw Ewok in LA in the mix. <laughs> Just L after L. I don't think I know a Dodgers fan that actually claims to be a fan and hates on the team more than this guy. And well, I, I can name you one. I can name you another one. <laughs> I, I know you're, you're probably going to say who I think it is if you want to name drop it. But no, I'll, I'll let you guys just assume who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. Is. But I everybody think, knows who you're talking about. I think that fan at least is more passionate as opposed Unfortunately, to. Unfortunately, he's on private now, so I can no longer be uh, bestowed with the nightly just glorious. He blocked me. He yeah. blocked me. I feel for you. I feel for you because they're fantastic. But now, like I said, he's on private, so I can't see him. Yeah. I, I still see him and I interact with him. Also, but no, I think I'll follow him just so I can see him again. Yeah. <laughs> This guy is like certain politicians out there where he just tweets things that are factually untrue and make absolutely no sense. Earlier in the year, he said Drew Smiley was a Dodger killer who, when you look up the stats, was never remotely true. He still lives in 2016 where he thinks the Dodgers can't hit left-handed pitching when they've clearly addressed this matter by now. And today he tweets, I already read the stats how bad this pitcher was, but Corbin is a Dodger killer. I don't care how bad he is this year. Patrick Corbin, as if you saw the game, proceeds to give up six runs with two outs, lit up, couldn't get out of the first. And this is a guy that the Dodgers have definitely gone to in the past. So just stupidity all around and had to put him on blast for this awful tweet. The 4-14 four and 14 Patrick Corbin had no chance in hell to beat the Dodgers. All right. So in his defense, I think most of it is an act. I think Jim knows what he's doing. I think he's carved out the little niche on Twitter to be like, like everybody's favorite uncle who like kind of says crazy stuff. So I, I think that's different than the guy we've discussed on this podcast before who Blake just mentioned. I'm not going to say his name. He's already blocked me on Twitter. So what else can he do at this point? But that dude is miserable. I told you he went, I, we, I, he went on a Twitter hiatus after game four of the 2020 World Series and didn't tweet again until the next season. He sat out the World Series title, his, the first in his life probably. So that guy is so much worse than Jim. Jim kind of is doing an act, 
kind of knows baseball and is kind of just having fun, honestly. So give, give Jim a break. Okay. All right, Blake, you're up. All right. I'll, I'll, my idiot of the week is going to be one and only uh, Carlos Rodon for nearly taking out one of his teammates, putting him on the IL by uh, kicking his bat. I don't know what he was expecting to happen, but uh, man, like the fact that I guess if he would have gotten, I forget who he hit exactly, but if he would have gotten seriously hurt, it wouldn't have been as funny, but knowing that he was okay, probably just a slight bruise. I mean, I was watching that clip again today. Just, I don't know what he was thinking. Wilmer Flores just going like, what the hell are you doing, bro? <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite I mean, part. That perfectly sums up what's happening with the Giants in the second half. So Rodon for, again, kicking it bad in the dugout. I don't know what he was going for. Uh, he, he's he's my idiot of the week. It was Thyro Estrada who got hit. Thyro Estrada. Did you see the follow-up too? He like threw his glove at the at the wall in the dugout and like oh, flung yeah. his arm back and hit a I think that was the Indian prior. Yeah. I think that was like the Indian prior he did yeah. that. So he's just like team. trying to kill his entire team. So the Dodgers fly out to Coors. Have the Rockies even come to Dodger Stadium yet? They must have at least once. Yeah, they have for sure. So this is yeah. the third road trip out in Coors now. Four games against the Rockies. Then they got four at San Francisco against the Giants. And then they'll come back home, take off, take on the Padres for three games. So a lot of NLS action, kind of important because the standings could definitely shift if the Dodgers were to slip a little bit, but I don't think they will. So I don't care about talking about this Rocky series, to be honest, covered them enough. Dodgers just got to do a little better. This go around. They've, they've had, they've had their issues in cores, but that's right. They kicked their ass at Dodger stadium. Um, so it'll be everybody but Heaney. Is it a four? It's four games, right? Yep. So it'll be everybody but Heaney. Yes. Any other trade deadline predictions before I close out the show? Any names going anywhere? I mean, anywhere? Last chance. I just think overall it's going to be, with the exception of like Soto, Luis Castillo, I think it's going to be a very boring deadline unless <laughs> something major happens because – Prior to Soto being in this mix, there were like no name. Like if you're getting excited over Brandon Drury and Garrett Cooper, I think that just explains how bad this deadline is going to be. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll make one prediction just so I can go back and sound smart. I think uh, Wilson Contreras of the Cubs is going to be playing for the New York Mets because they need a catcher and not many other contenders need a catcher. And he like, Wilson Contreras like cried in the dugout the other day for his last home game, which isn't even a for sure thing. So I'm just going to ride that momentum and say, he's going to go to the Mets. And I think Castillo, I think the Yankees pay the Reds what they want. And I think Castillo goes to New York. If the Padres don't get Soto Contreras will be a Padre, but I think the other team, how do they need another catcher? They're like the worst four. Freller. Nola sucks. Alfaro, not good defensively. It's basically their co-DH. Jeez, bro. I mean, how many catchers can he acquire? The Astros, I think, are the other team that will either get Wilson Contreras or Josh Bell. I think Noah Syndergaard. Josh Bell is going to be a nice get for someone. Yeah. I, I wish the Dodgers had room for him, but he would just have to be a full-on DH. And But he, he's going to be nice. Very. I think he's the most underrated player that's going to get dealt. Yep. Yep. Uh, no, Noah Syndergaard. I think the Angels get give him up. I think he'll be a Toronto Blue Jay. 
And last but not least, if the Yankees don't get Luis Castillo, then Frankie Montas will be a Yankee. And that's really all I got. Any final thoughts, guys? Just keep uh, winning that division lead above 10. Yeah, I mean, I think the Dodgers are going to be just fine regardless of what happens at the trade deadline. I, I think it would be interesting if the Padres got Juan Soto because you can look at it as like, a, oh, the Padres are going to be contending now. Or you can look at it like Kevin's looking at it, which is a valid way to look at it, is they're going to pillage their farm for a guy for two or three years, and they may not even make the playoffs with him. So it's going to be an interesting debate, I think. Like I said, I, I think he stays, uh, but I, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see a sleeper team like the Cardinals and the Mariners just full send it for him. So. I don't know. I mean, I, I truly don't know what's going to happen. I, I really, really, really hope the Dodgers get a bullpen arm, at least one. Like I said, just be on the phone with the Detroit Tigers GM. Pick one of the one or two of those guys. Call it a deadline. I was My just going to say, it would be also more material if the uh, Padres acquire Soto and miss the playoffs. Because yeah. that would be material for the decade. <laughs> I mean, my, my quick thing is, if you're the Padres owner, are you just letting Preller do this or are you saying like this is it for you like if you do this this is it because frankly like i would i wouldn't have been surprised if they fired him after last year so if you're gonna commit to aj preller and you're gonna let him do this this better be your last straw as an owner right i think mlb wants soto traded to contender it'll just boost ratings big time my final thoughts are pretty simple Luis Castillo will be a Los Angeles Dodger post-deadline. Going to steal some of the Padres' thunder, and the NL West will be the talk of the deadline. It's going to go absolutely insane. Blake Harris, thank you so much for joining us this week. Appreciate your coverage and helping us break down this trade deadline. Again, make sure to follow him on Twitter, at BlakeHarrisTBLA. Does a great job of covering the Dodgers, sharing lots of video content, and getting behind getting like inside information that a lot of us don't have or throwing out analysis that I don't even think about and his Substack. make sure to subscribe blakeharris.substack.com. Appreciate it as always guys. This is always a fun time. Thanks Blake. Good to have you. One quick thing before we go, forgot to mention it. It's been my favorite thing of the year. The new home run air raid siren is like the most electric thing in the history of sports. Whoever's responsible for that. Do it all the time. Never let it go. I'm, I'm literally in love with the air raid siren. I That's agree. all. It, my, my buddy was at the game yesterday and texted me and said, it's as good as it sounds on TV, yep. if not better. <laughs> yep. Nice. Make sure to follow us and subscribe to the Incline Dodgers podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, yeah, trade deadline is here. Who knows what's going to happen? This podcast will either age very well or very poorly. So that should be fun to listen back on. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a great week. Go Dodgers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.